Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You're now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and my cat Gizmo is staring me down. Uh, knives of, I hope, love. Uh, he's been down here all day hanging out with us. Uh, the podcast you're about to hear is hot off the presses. In fact, uh, our, our panelist today, Ian Taranji, uh, otherwise known as the guitarist of DC's The Lucky So-and-Sos, amongst other things, uh, just left here. Uh, he came over to talk about an album that we've, we've been enjoying for a little bit now and that you too can now enjoy. Let's talk about Nels Klein's Lovers. Now, you know, you all know Nels Klein from Wilco. Uh, I am 100% positive of that. Uh, hopefully, some of you, I'm, I'm going to go with I'm going to be generous here. I'm going to go with 60%. You know, heard him play in that band and said, what, what is this guy all about? And sort of went back and dug into his catalog. If you did, you found out he's an amazing musician, uh, an amazing talent, and, and has dedicated his whole life to not just the rock and roll, but uh, a lot of it, the jazz. So his new album is actually all about that. It's a mood piece. It is, uh, there's a lot of covers on this album. There's a lot of, uh, it's, a, it's an orchestra. It's, it's just a big, big album and uh been waiting to talk about it for a while and now we finally can and i'm super excited about that so so we're gonna be talking about that um we're also going to be talking about a little bit about an article that popped up on the internet uh, claiming that youtube uh you know the streaming service if you want to refer to it as that but 98 percent of those videos on there are all this complaining about like people getting paid and whatnot uh, but 98% of those videos that we are all claiming are illegal are actually legal and licensed. And so what the hell do we do now? So me and Ian are going to try to get to the bottom of that. Uh, and then, you know, to keep with this sort of mellow... Yeah, it's a mellow cast. I don't know. And Julian Lage released an album back in uh, 2015 that we quite enjoy called World's Fair. And uh, we got a track off that called Peru. It's an oldie, but it's a, it is a goodie. And, and you can, because we name dropped him a good bit in this podcast, figured it might, if you weren't familiar with Mr. Lage's phenomenal work, that we might, uh, might hip you to that. Uh, because it is. Uh, whether or not you're a guitar player or not, uh, the guy is, is uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? A motherfucker of a musician. Him and Nels together, which they made an album uh, recently, is, is doubling down on that. But today we're here to talk about lovers. So, um, without further ado, I guess let's just kick this off here then. Here we go. This is episode number 207 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, where we're sitting down to talk about the new album from the amazing and remarkable, the mega talented Nels Klein lovers. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. And I will roll the record up and go to That right there is a wonderful sound. Twins from the Shining vibe, though. <laughs> <laughs> Come play with us, Danny. <laughs> we go upstairs and there's a little tricycle in the thing. <laughs> that, would be, uh, that would be awful. I don't, I, I don't know if I would... Uh, <laughs> all this time, boys, and, and this, is how, <laughs> this is how you're going to do. Uh, You've always been the manager of the Overlook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, it's, you say that, Casey Ray will appear. Um... Mr. Taranji, welcome back to the basement. Oh, thank you, good, sir. Good to have you back here after we, you survived the uh, guitar extravaganza um, before. Oh, it's great to be back. Which is great. I heard a lot of people like mention, they're like, damn, you guys went in. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, I enjoyed that. That was a great talk. It was fun. Uh, and actually, I think Noah, Noah asked if he if he could come in on this, and I was like, I don't think you're going to be in town or anything. But yeah, it's too bad. That would be the, uh, that, that should be a new trend, though. Anytime we're going to be talking about guitar-based records, we just get you and Noah on. There we go. There and we go. We have the experts. Um, we're going to be talking today about an album by a guy that I think everybody listening to this knows, 
but uh, from a source that is not really his history, uh, talking about Nels Klein of Wilco, currently of Wilco. Uh, you were saying, you know, if you were ever in Wilco, you'd be like, yes. in Toronto, yes. Wilco, yeah. Yeah, uh, that would be that would be the top line on my resume. Um, I would, in fact, I would insist that people refer to me as Ian Taranji of, <laughs> of Wilco or formerly of Wilco. Right, right. If I had any connection to Wilco, I would insist that people um, use that. He is my... a noted um, jazz guitarist, noted like avant noise guitar, sort of everything. We talked to him about two years ago, and there's gonna be a link to the show notes to that. He's a fascinating dude, um, yeah. and he has he has a deep. And the abiding love uh, for music, and he's put all that into an album called Lovers, uh, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And that's actually out on Blue Note. It's first on Blue Note, which is sort of crazy. Um, but before that, it when fits, it gets it fits Blue Note, it does fit Blue Note. Before that, when we get to a, a little news item here, uh, we're searching around the internet's, and uh, you know this site, uh, I will say, is not the most credible site. So you have to <laughs> you have to sort of read the headlines and then dig for other information about this. Uh, Digital Music News uh, put a post up the other day. It says 98% of YouTube music videos are completely authorized. Hmm. Now what? So here's how this works, uh, people. And we've talked about this before uh, as far as we're concerned. Uh, YouTube has a system um, where uh, bots sort of feed into it, and they can deliver what's called a DMCA takedown. Uh, And what that means is that if uh, a computer scanning your thing says you're using part of a song that you maybe aren't authorized to. They have no way of knowing. Uh, a company like Sony will deliver a notice that says, hey, you need to take this down. The current system in YouTube right now is you get three strikes. And after that, they're like, hey, so we're going to turn this over and maybe they'll sue you. We have right. beat that twice here on this site. <laughs> for four, and, and I understand the, the gray area here, uh, in case anybody uh, is as a lawyer sitting across from me or <laughs> not listening, yeah, um, you yeah. know, but uh, doing it for a band Kingsley Flood, and we use some of their music in the video we produced, right? And we put it up there, and they that their song is essentially owned by someone else; they do not own it, and that company tagged it and said, "No, you can't use that," even right. though direct permission from the person who made the thing, right? Right, uh, which is a problem with that whole system, but. The reason I bring up this story is because, you know, we hear a lot about the streaming wars and all these streaming services and how people are really upset about YouTube because nobody is getting paid for YouTube. I don't know. We'll see if we can relate to this. I See, I just never – I'm too old, I think, to search YouTube for music. It just never occurred to me. But it's a thing, right? Well, I will say this because I um – and even though I'm I'm a musician, I I'm I'm a Spotify user. You're in lo- the Lucky So and Sos. That's correct. That's correct. Right. I'm a member of the Lucky So and Sos. Um, and I do use Spotify, and um, I've got some kind of a free trial for Apple Play because I just got a new iPhone. Um, so, I mean, I you know I get people's issues with streaming music. I know before I was on Spotify, if I needed to find a song like to learn it for a gig or something like that. Right. Um, then yeah, I would go on YouTube and, and find it. And not only would I be able to find the song, a lot of times I'd be able to find a guitar tutorial that would kind of, if not teach me exactly how to play it, at least kind of get me on, started on my way to figuring it right. out. Um, which, you know, is, is, is a time saver if you're, you know, you need to learn material for, you know. For a gig. For gigs, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I guess my my big question with all of this is, so the way it stands now is that you can actually um, almost opt in, which is a weird system, uh, where if you're like, you know, that Hollow Notes song I uploaded really is illegal. Because, I mean, look, that is. Right. That, let's be clear. that sure. you, you should not be uploading entire, like, uh, Hollow Notes or Boston albums to YouTube. Correct. Even if I will listen to them if you do it. You should not be doing <laughs> that. Um, and... Uh, but what you can do is if if somehow it gets like they just don't want to put too much effort into it, they'll just slap an ad on it, mm-hmm. which is a weird practice. Uh, if you look at what SoundCloud did, and this is where this whole issue gets confused to me, uh, for me, it when you, if you try to upload your music to SoundCloud, which you've done, right? Obviously for uh, Lucky So and So's, correct. If it tags in the metadata or it analyzes some of the, the song itself. If it tags it and says this is something else, it will actually stop you from from putting from, it up from there. putting it up. Right. 
So my question is because the gist of this article is that is that all the stuff that's up there is licensed and it is being taken care of. So that illegal copy of whatever album that's up there, that is making money for the artist. Correct. Yeah. So, and their their argument is just too much going on to actually like worry about taking all that down. Why has YouTube never instilled a just when you upload it just says no. Just let us know, yeah. Um, well, no, no, just just no. Like when I when I go to upload abandoned luncheonette, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it to the man. It's gonna be on YouTube, <laughs> and, I, and I open that and I upload that, and then it says, uh, "You're not hollow notes, right? Can you prove it now, or maybe even that? Why has YouTube never done that? Because I feel like that's the solution to this problem. Um. I mean, you know, anytime you start talking about these IP rights and, you know, just to put it out there, I mean, I've actually done some IP law, mm-hmm. although copyright has not been what I've done. More, I've done more trademark and patent work than anything else, but a lot of the same principles apply. And, um, you know, you have an intellectual property right. Enforcing those rights costs money. Yeah. And sometimes it's better to... Find a way to monetize that right, allow the use, and avoid the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's obviously the win-win if you can get that, um, because there are a lot of there are a lot of what what would probably be labeled as unlicensed and probably are labeled as unlicensed uses on YouTube that really would fall into things like fair use. Like for example, we were talking about. Uh, you know, uh, a guitar tutorial that I might find online. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I was, I was, I found somebody who gave me a guitar tutorial on uh, Prince Let's Go Crazy, like the solos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The solos on that, which are, which are just so amazing. Does the video and... just show up and say, like, give up? <laughs> <laughs> no, believe it or not, it's really super simple. Holy crap. There, it's, 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 and that's the genius of it. God bless Prince. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, Princess people could might might be able to let's put it this way. Princess people could go to this guy yeah. and send him a notice or, or or go to YouTube and get that video taken down. And yes, m- you know, my guy who uploaded uh, a guitar tutorial video f- filmed on his iPhone in his bedroom might be able to hire an IP lawyer to fight that on right. fair use grounds. But who's going to spend the thousands of dollars it would take to do that when you can just like, all right, fuck it. I'll take it down, you know? Yeah. Um, or, or, all right, fuck it, put an ad on it. And so I think that's where a lot of the, the issue in IP a lot of times is that the deep pockets have a way to, they have that hammer over the head of the small right. inventor, the small, you know, the individual artist, uh, the DIY band, to to say, look, you're using our stuff, and it's copyrighted, and so therefore, please stop. And you can say, well, you know, I mean, all I'm doing is I'm putting a video out there that's teaching people how to play this music, not mm-hmm. putting it out there so that you can listen to the music. Yeah, and that's a fine line. That's but but that's a credible argument, and and probably a good argument, and would probably be a winning argument in front of a judge. Yeah. The problem it's, it's is getting the, prob- it there. The problem is that you would spend fifteen to twenty to fifty thousand dollars getting <laughs> yeah. it there. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. And to be clear, like we're talking about, if ninety eight percent of them are authorized, two percent of what like, probably billions of videos at this point. I, I mean, there, well there, there are like an unruly amount of videos out well, there. I think YouTube is the largest player of music. Yeah, anywhere on yeah, planet Earth, it, it is, and and that and that I think is what drew the. The uh, the ire of all these musicians. David Lowry is big on YouTube. Like right. basically, he wants to shut them down. Yeah, and yeah. But see, I always look at these and I and 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 these these situations, and I feel like people think of it as a as 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 a two party transaction that it's YouTube and it's artists, and people forget that there's a great middleman, <laughs> a huge middleman in the middle. Middlemen. And quite frankly, I think to the extent that musicians are feeling undercompensated for their artistic works. I think the issues are not always with YouTube or Spotify or Tidal or Apple Music. The issues are probably with Sony, with, you know, uh, uh, BMI and ASCAP, uh, the United States federal government, 
you know, there's a lot of intermediaries between YouTube and the artist, between Spotify and the artist. And I feel like they're all conspiring to keep that money in the middle because I don't feel like Spotify is a super profitable business, even though it's a very popular product. They give away 80% of everything. 80% of everything that comes in the door goes out the door. Right. And that's a remarkable statistic. I mean, anybody who follows, who understands business and the way large multinational corporations work to have 80% of your revenue go out Mm -hmm. into one single output um, is, is, is is a remarkable statistic and there's not another corporation on earth that would be paying 80% of its revenue no for 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 its product you know for the for the for the product alone you know irrespective of all the other overhead every other salary yeah. at, at at Spotify every well, you know whatever their their physical plant is and that's know? a point we talk about a lot and and it comes down to the fact that like uh if you are a especially a smaller artist i think and you 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 know, we want you to get paid. Everybody, everybody wants you to get paid. But if if you're looking at a thing like YouTube, mm-hmm. which is this way to get your thing out, right. let's, let's be right. clear. Sure. Um, and getting upset because somebody is making money on it on your thing, other than you, like you said, turn to your label. Right. Like, talk to them. I mean, these deals that most people have still. Don't account for like digital distribution distribution yeah. at all. You know, yeah, it's, all, it's it's all about the CD. But, and, and, and and I mean, this would take us down a rabbit hole of the, like the whole changing paradigm of music. I mean, the fact that yeah. the fact that DIY is so accessible and being able to get DIY music and unlabeled music out to a mass audience. You know, I mean, you obviously have success stories like Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I mean, it's it. That gets us into a whole thing. I mean, what what is the point of the label? The label is, you know, the label is distribution and also publicity. You know, the label knows how to get music on the places that millions of people are listening to. The label knows how to get music in front of tastemakers and opinion makers. Um, and, you know, you as an independent artist always have to look at is that something I can figure out on my own? Is that something I need? Right. Those resources. Um, where do I see my music going? And and that's actually the big question. I don't think a lot of people ever ask. Right. Right. You know where where do you see it going? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that if you just make the thing, that all you are now entitled to uh, a cut of Drake's money. <laughs> right. 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 And Drake did some very specific things. I'm not going to endorse Drake. I don't like Drake. But he did some very specific things to get where he's at. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and the only person entitled to that are the people that helped him, i.e. his label, and Drake. Right, right. And, you know, if you can do something similar to that, then that's when you will, that's when you are entitled to those, those funds. I, I think it's funny, too, at the end of this thing, you know, YouTube says, um, you know, if, if you don't like it, then just don't upload your shit to YouTube. Which right. which is good for independent artists, and and I don't, and that's that's sort of the irony of this. as is SoundCloud and all of the, well, the, the irony of this is like I don't think this really applies to independent artists at all. If you're getting like a hundred plays on your YouTube video, yeah. you're not making any money. Of course not. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's no there's no way a system can change that you can make enough money to make a living. Right. Uh, to do that, you know, right. you, this this stuff scales to the millions before you see stuff, and I think that's what For a lot sure. of times people don't understand. So in the DIY st- scene and in the in the smaller thing, you know, you might be good to uh, sell maybe not CDs, but like download codes. You know, that's what's going to serve you. Yeah, uh, and the other stuff is just sort of icing on the cake. The other stuff is is this distribution network, unlike anything we've ever seen, and you can put it up on youtube and then some kid in like china will see it yeah yeah well i can tell you as an in addition to being a lawyer an independent musician (laughs) who's who's put stuff up on on soundcloud and the like are you also batman (laughs) (laughs) i can i can neither confirm nor deny (laughs) that i am batman uh, or that i have batman underoos right um you know it's it's to me a lot of times the 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 live video that you would put up on youtube the SoundCloud uh, audio file that you'll put up is is as much promotion for g- 
gigs, for you know, getting gigs, yeah, um, as anything. I, you know, we've got uh, a three-song EP up on Bandcamp. We've got you know one or two uh, additional sounds on SoundCloud, maybe one or two videos on on YouTube. Uh, we've never tried to monetize any of those things. Right. We want people to, I want people to hear the music, mm-hmm. and and then when they hear the music, hopefully they 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 think, wow, I'd like to go and see these guys live. Now, now, now the count of that though, you are in a, in a in a little more privileged position than like say a musician just starting out. Well, I mean, I mean, so so you have that option, like right. Uh, uh, I'm not saying you're wrong. I I, I mean, yeah. I, I think that is, uh, you know, that's. The second you start saying like we want you to hear this, but you absolutely have to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, the the consumer, mm-hmm. not you know. If you're talking about radio, yeah, artists need to get paid better on radio. Right. Everybody would love a better pay scheme for uh for streaming. Whether or not it's going to happen, if all these companies are like I said, eighty percent out the door, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. You're going to have to get that money from your label. But the second you start saying, uh, here's my video, pay for it. And then come see me. No, that, yeah, that, that model doesn't work. It's a hard, it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell unless you really have like great word of mouth. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's you can always try to tweak, but but then you 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 get into a question of at what point do you turn off the audience? You know, what's mm-hmm. the what's the point of diminishing returns? And I suspect when you're a DIY band with a you know a local or regional following. At the point at which you're you're going to demand people pay to watch your video, it's going to be a pretty quick <laughs> point of diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and this may be <laughs> this slide is a little off. The, fi- the final note in this article is here is says it's, uh, and I'm quoting it says a simple economic calculation. YouTube offers more value than just a fractional penny rate, and artists and labels are making a calculation that it's worth it. Otherwise, they would just leave. Sure. And I, and I think that goes for, uh, you know, as much as we talked about streaming, and I guess, like, I have to consider YouTube a streaming service at this point. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, I, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. For, it's about it's about distribution. How, how, how easily and how readily can you have your material out there available for whoever wants to hear it? You know, when you're a DIY musician, if you're a band that's got 1,000 Facebook likes or 1,500 Facebook likes, you want people to hear your music. Mm-hmm. And you don't need them to pay for it. You you want them to pay to come see your gig. You want them to pay to maybe buy like a, a hard LP if you're yeah. you know if if you're able to be that forward thinking to to have that as part of your sort of merch portfolio. Um, you know, a band T-shirt and yeah. And for a lot of bands, honestly, for a lot of bands that are touring, it's it's just you know they're the merch is the merch is gas money to get to the next gig when you're yeah. touring sometimes, and it's. Um, you know, and so the way to get people out there to the shows um, is to have them hear it and enjoy it. And people aren't going to pay to hear something that they don't really know. Yeah, is what it what it boils down to. Um, you might get that lucky hit like once or twice a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah that you just show up. I'm like, I, I saw uh, Avers actually here. Uh, it looked like a lot of people were there for the opening band mm-hmm. at DC Nine, and I know two people up front because they. We're interacting with the band and asking all these questions between songs, which was awesome. But by the end of the night, they completely won them over, yeah. and that, that is that is rare, mm-hmm. even if mm-hmm. you're great. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, when you're in that position, you're just looking to to you know make one fan today. Yeah. You know, you get a chance to open for a band that 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 is going to sell out or close to sell out the Rock and Roll Hotel, and they're they're a touring band, and so you figure, all right, this is 400 people we're going to play before, and maybe maybe 30 <laughs> of them have seen us before yeah uh you know so this is a whole lot of new people and it's kind of the same thing when you put a video up on youtube when you put a a, yeah. a, a sound file up on soundcloud when you put a video on youtube and that gives people like uh, me people like paul vodra and hometown sounds who loves sure. videos the chance to not just talk about it because obviously we've done like this is this will be 207 so we did 207 of things yep. don't much like the writing so anymore <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm a big fan of writing, but yeah. like, you know, that's, that, so, you know, if anything, uh, we can do or other sites can do that get basically gets right to the thing, mm-hmm. you know, you can talk about you guys music all day long, right. but nothing will be like looking at it and going, Oh, this is the thing. Yeah. 
And at that point, the uh, consumer or the fan makes their own decisions. Right, so, right, right. So, I mean, that's just, you know, that, 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 that boils down to the way the music industry has evolved. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if you're a working artist, you might say devolved. Yeah. But that's, that's just where music has gone, you know. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll put a link to the show notes and that, and then, uh, you know, leave some comments or not. I, if, if you're, if, it, seriously, if you're a DIY artist and you have a real issue with like yeah. YouTube, like email and just explain why, leave it in sure, the comments sure, sure. because we're not saying we know. And the article is a very worthwhile read for yeah, sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely cool. Uh, you ready to talk about some Nels Klein? Let's do it. That track uh, is The Bond. That is the final track on Nels Klein's uh, Lovers. This is a four-side uh, LP, if you buy it in LP form, uh, which is good to know because I did not get an LP form when the advanced copy we got, and I was just like, and this makes a lot of sense, right, and this right. uh, not just for uh, playtime, but also uh, how it's broken up. Uh, you know, that is composition is by uh, Nels Klein himself, mm-hmm. but that is almost wholly unique on this album. There's only a few moments where you, it's just Nels Klein. Uh, as we were saying up front, you know, this is a guy who's been in the jazz scene uh, now for 35 years. He just turned 60, I think, this year, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't, I wouldn't have guessed when I talked to him. I was like, yeah, this guy's like maybe pushing 50. Uh, but and uh, It's the musician Peter Pan complex. It, uh, it totally <laughs> is. And, and, it's what uh, keeps me so young. You know, his his catalog outside of Wilco, which anybody listening to this podcast knows them, uh, I hope you've dug back into it, but his stuff with the Nels Klein singers, put an album two years ago that was really badass. If you can catch them in a performance, it is uh, one of the more stunning, one of the more wild things you'll see because all that energy that he gives off at a Wilco show, uh, just exponentially, like mm-hmm. double that. And it's, it's usually a... a Singers is usually a trio. I think sometimes he's added uh, Ciro Batista, mm-hmm. I think was in on the last one, a percussionist, Brazilian percussionist, and um, who's got famous with uh, the music crowd. He played for uh, Trey Anastasio Band way back in the day, in the early 2000s. That's digging it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but really, that's when a lot of people yeah. first heard of him, even though he'd been around at that point for like 20 years. Um, you know, and and his stuff before this has always been – this dissonant, uh, this you're on a journey, yeah. And the tone, and this is what they think his old stuff and this have in common. The tone always brings you back. If you hear Nels Klein play, whether it's the vibrato or the tone of his guitar, right. you know it's Nels Klein for sure. And and it's something that, uh, you know, we as guitarists, we talk about on our little guitar cast for William Tyler. <laughs> I've talked a lot about you know it's it's a thing that um, it's hard to come by. Like yeah. I, I don't know what mine is. I I don't know if you, you if you would know what yours is. I have a I mean I have a sense of what mine is and kind of what I go for. I mean just to put a, I mean I play a Strat through a Fender Deluxe right, Reverb, right. so it's a Fender tube amp, and to me that's kind of like my 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 base, my foundation, and it's a very um, recognizable foundation. It's a very relatable foundation for people in music. And, um, and then from there you can, you know, you can, you can add elements to it to make it your own. So you Mm -hmm. can take something that's warm and recognizable and still be able to make it your own. And that, you know, and I, and I think, you know, if you're a guitar player who plays a Les Paul through a Marshall stack, same deal. Yeah. But how many people sound like that is sort of the point I was getting at. 
You mean, oh, you mean just like the way he plays? No, how many people sound like a Les Paul through a Marshall stack? You know, I mean, everybody, right? Well, everybody, but that, but, that, but but you know, but that's my point. There are also yeah. there are also a ton of people who play a strat through a Fender tube. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, um, it's rec- it's 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 a, it's a recognizable sound, so you're not it's not jarring to the listener's ear, but it still provides a bed on which you can add, you know, a lot of different elements to make it to right. make it your own tone. So there are a million people who are going to play a strat through a Fender tube, but you can still you can still create a unique tone out of that. Right. There are a million people right. who are going to play a Les Paul through a Marshall, but that guy can still create yeah. uh, a unique tone. And and that's what he does here on a piece that is uh, more of a curated album than I was expecting. Right. Uh, you know he he's said when he was talking about it, he said. Uh, and this is a direct quote. It said, I've been dreaming about planning and reworking my rather obsessive idea of this record for well over 25 years, and it was always going to be called Lovers. Uh, he became obsessed with this, this idea of mood music, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, – it's interesting. I just watched the Miles Ahead movie last night, and Miles Davis is referring to stuff as social music. Right. Uh, you know, it's this move away from calling jazz jazz uh, that is uh, is is an interesting – take on it i think um you know he assembled you know these these songs first of all are you know like you pointed out you have uh rogers and hammerstein in there uh you've got some sonic youth in there mm-hmm. uh you've got let's see jerome kern you got uh arto Lindsay uh in there and you, you've got this wide range of artists that he's wide from. spectrum for sure and 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 he's a lot of times burying his identity as Nels Klein deep, deep in the song. Now, right. the uh, I'm going to read all the names because I think they should get recognition here. Um, he put together an orchestra, a, a literal orchestra for this. Sure, sure. Which no. they just did a performance at the Newport Jazz Festival, which is like, I, I realized that was happening the day it was happening. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> uh, but so you've got Nels Klein on on. The guitars and whatnot. Devin Hoff on contrabass. Alex Klein, his brother, mm-hmm. twin brother, on drum set and percussion. Steve Bernstein on trumpet. Taylor Haskins on trumpet. Michael Leonard on trumpet. Uh, Alan Ferber on trombone. Charles Pillow on alto and bass flutes. Oboe, English horn, saxophone. Uh, J.D. Perrin on, on much of the same instruments. Ben Goldberg and contra alto clarinet. Uh, I mean, this is getting specific down to like what kind of stuff they're using here. It's Doug, very orchestral. Yeah, Doug Wesselman on bass clarinet. Gavin Templeton on B-flat clarinet, uh, Sarah Schoenbeck on bassoon, Julian Lage, who is amazing Genius. guitar player, a young guitar player, yeah, yeah. who he's been working with, I think, for the past five years. His albums, if you haven't gone out and got them yet, with Nels Klein, are, are some of the best. I don't even know if they're jazz. They're, I don't know what they are. They're just, they're, they're, <laughs> just great. They're, they're dressed great. Well, Julian Lage is a tremendous guitar player. Yes, sure, he is. For sure. Uh, Kenny Wilson on vibraphone. Zena Parkins on harp. Yuka C. Honda, which is his wife, um, <laughs> on uh, Celeste and Juno 60. Antoine Silverman on violin. Uh, Jeff Gautier on violin. A- Amy Kimball on viola. Stephanie Griffin on viola. Eric Friedlander on cello. And Maggie Parkins on cello. That is what is an, we call in the t- business an orchestra. An orchestra. That, that, yes, is, that yes. is something that you would not have expected uh from a project, even though this is his first one on Blue Note, you know, Blue mm-hmm. Note is jazz, and and I don't think we've seen this big band jazz, not the sound, but the big band jazz since what, like the 50s? Well, you know, I mean, if you like Jose James, uh, the vocalist is on Blue Note, mm-hmm. and he recently did um, an album that was a tribute to Billie Holiday in celebration of her. 100th birthday that happened i believe it was either in 2015 or 2014 i want to say but recently within the last couple of years um and so there was there was a lot of orchestration i mean obviously a lot of the early jazz was very heavily orchestrated and um you know i mean i heard i I was actually watching the the ken burns jazz documentary with my wife the other night and uh you know there's a lot of people criticize it but there's a lot of great stuff and if you're a uh, you know, a lover of jazz there's a lot of, there's a tremendous amount of material in there and if you're a neophyte to it um, there's tremendous uh, educational opportunities there but you know Wynton Marsalis was talking about Duke Ellington you know Washington DC's own Duke Ellington and referred to him as the greatest composer yeah. of the 20th century um, you know some might argue Gershwin some might argue you know uh, uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein some might argue uh, 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 Leonard and Bernstein um, but so there's, there's, 
there's a tradition of heavily orchestrated jazz uh, that, that, that runs deep in the country. And, and when I first heard this album, kind of the first thing that popped to my mind was kind of like a very Gershwin feel mm-hmm. using the bassoon and the clarinet um, and kind of interweaving them and using them to punctuate as opposed to using them to right. to rely heavily on the melody, that, that the melody happens organically on keys, on the guitar mostly, actually. Um, and then that, that, that there's all these other elements, that there's string harmonies going on, there's horn harmonies going on. It's, right. not, just, right. it's not just having one horn playing a melody line. It's, it's a lot of arrangement, a lot of really tight arrangement. Um, and, and so, I mean... As a as a as a musician, I I get really geeked out to to hear stuff like that. And, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, we were saying it's, it's really pretty. It's split into four movements essentially. That's what right. the sides are. Right. Uh, and it's very deliberate, I think. And it's um, it, you mentioned off mic. I think uh, you're talking about these tend to be um, almost like little soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what you were saying, which you could probably elaborate better, is how the name of this these things are important. And even though these are songs that like everybody sort of knows, I mean, right. uh, majority of them, I could say seventy five percent is reworking of stuff. Uh, it is important in this narrative because you go through, um, you know, like what were you, you were saying about like the bed we made? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like uh, you know, I mean, I I, I thought that. It may sound like a, a trite point, but I think when you talk about instrumental music, the title of a song is really important because if it if if you can get it to match up with the mood of the music, you can really kind of paint a picture in the listener's head if you know if the listener is actively engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, I mean, I looked at a, uh, there, there's there's a song in here called "The Bed We Made," and I just think that that's a genius title. Um, and and I'm actually not sure if that's a Klein a Klein original or if that's uh, it is, and and so I think it's a it's a it's you know it's a great title because it really puts you in a mode of okay. There's obviously it's a bed we made. It's past tense, so it's a couple that's no longer together. Why are they no longer together? Who who did the deed? The who who was the straw that broke the camel camel's back? Yeah. Or or, you know, did the partner pass away? And, and, and that know, movement and, actually starts with uh, Lady Gabor, mm-hmm. uh, Gabor Sosbo, The Bed We Made, and then uh, You Noticed, which is another right. uh, Nels Klein composition, Secret Love, uh, and finishes up with I Have Dreamed by uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein. By Rodgers and Hammerstein from The King and I. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's, that's side two. Yeah. And, and that is a statement. Um, and those Klein originals, you know, they, those are the ones that I felt most had that kind of that Gershwin orchestrated soundtrack mm-hmm. to a move to a movie from the sixties or fifties kind of sound. Yeah. Um, so he obviously Nels has has uh, you know I mean it's obvious. He said he think about it for twenty five years. I mean, <laughs> well you can tell the way it's yes. the way it's so intricately arranged and produced. It's 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 the pro- it's the product of meticulous songwriting and arrangement. Yeah, in production. I, I want to play a track right now, and this is this is one. You know, there's let's see, five, ten, eighteen tracks. It's yeah. pretty. It's a pretty long it's, album. It's, it's dense. A, it, it's a journey. It's dense. It's a musical <laughs> journey. Um, but this one, I think, in listening to it, and this is right up start. Uh, it's called "Beautiful Love," and uh, it embodies a lot of I think what we're talking about. So this is uh, "Beautiful Love." It's originally by uh, Wayne King, Victor Young, and uh, Egbert Van Alstyne. Uh, lyrics by Haven Gillespie. Uh, this is uh, so. This is beautiful love off of Dennis Klein's lovers.
mean, that, that's the opening credits for something. Yeah, and we we're almost going like uh, almost like a Peter Sellers Pink Panther. Yeah, yeah, you know, that, that 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 is that is so tightly arranged. And what's what's fascinating to me about this whole album is this is the thing that you have never thought of when you think about Nils Klein. Right. Maybe if you know him personally, maybe if, if every day he's been bugging your ass, like, I want to make this <laughs> album Lovers for 25 years. He's been, maybe you know this. But yeah. as as fans of his and listeners to his material that's out there, you, there's never any indication that something like this uh, he would necessarily even be a part of. Well, he does have song. He does have songs on this album where he has kind of, kind of like that big ambient guitar sound with the swells uh-huh. um, that I think is probably going to be pretty familiar to most most people who know him through Wilco and 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 through some other solo stuff. But yeah, there's a lot but, of stuff. There's a lot of stuff on this album though that that is. You know um, that it's really he's, he's really digging back and and you know and I'm and I'm a big fan of people who dig back into into you know the history of music in particular the history of American music yeah um, which I think has has been the dominant music form of the 20th century and into the 21st um, and and this is a real I think celebration of a lot of that kind of very orchestrated jazz yeah that 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 you know that that you sort of picture guys in Hollywood with you know long pleated pants that come you know up above their belly button and you know really wide lapels and suits and things <laughs> like that and, and you know in some sort of like sound stage mm-hmm. uh recording this music for you know a soundtrack to it's like you said like a some movie from the early 60s or something yeah yeah it's um you know it would in that sense it's got a lot in common with the uh album bill bill frizzell did earlier this year yeah uh when you wish upon a star and i i think you know, when people do that, I, I know a lot of fans of Bill Frizzell that weren't thrilled with that. Right. Because they want to hear him do his, his thing. But I'm with you in that when people choose to celebrate this music, and in this case, work in your own music, it's almost indistinguishable from the older stuff, which, which highlights how much all of this stuff is actually... In, has in common, right, right, uh, and you, you add and you, and you add your strongest element, which is the electric guitar, uh-huh. to something that's very traditional, which is all of the string orchestration, the horn orchestration, the arrangements, um, just the, the songwriting, and 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 bringing all that to bear, and and it really, I think, adding adding a modern element to it brings a brings a new freshness to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, because uh, you know. Much like that Bill Frizzell album, it's like those are that was TV songs. It's a little more familiar with it, but this is stuff that I haven't heard in years. I only know I only recognized um, I have dreamed, and for some reason, yeah. and for some reason, I thought that it jumps was, out. And for some reason, and for some reason, I thought it was from Les Miserables, just because <laughs> I was, I was, I don't know if you want to say fortunate or unfortunate enough. I had early on in my youth, I think I had a string of three straight girlfriends who demanded that I take her to see Les Miserables. It's 80s, man. And, <laughs> and yes, At least it wasn't cats. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's moving. But like by the third time, you're just like, oh, fuck. Right. Jean Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's... Um, but you know what? Your girlfriend's crying. You're probably going to get laid that night. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like... That's what all this... I mean, that's what this is, you know, whether or not... You know, if, we, if we're breaking down the plot of this, you mentioned stuff that sounds like a breakup. You get into side three. There's a lot that sounds like a breakup on this side. Side three is, why was I born? Which, <laughs> 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 see, let's say this here. Why was I born? Invitation, it only has to happen once. The night poor. Okay. Um, yeah, so it looks like there's resolution by the fourth act. So hard Maybe. it hurts. Yeah. But then you search for the cat and it's all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, yeah, this is just one of those albums, I think, that uh, if you are going to let it, like, if you look, if you don't like jazz, if you don't like any of this, you're not, you're not going to listen yeah, to this. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and I don't care if you're, like, love Wilco and you're like, Neil's Klein, I listen to everything. But I would suggest that maybe, like, this and the Bill Frizzell album, like, sit down, spend a couple hours, man, and just fucking sit. This is your history. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I don't care if you're 16 now or if you're like 20 or if you're 70. This is this is our history. Right. Um, right. And uh, people keep saying that it's going away. But when shit like this pops up, especially on a label like Blue Note. 
But then that gets it. But I mean, but you know. But and this is potentially opening up a whole new rabbit hole, mm-hmm. which is the state of jazz. That so much of the best jazz that we hear is either a direct callback to something, it's derivative of something, mm-hmm. or it's a, a and you know a copy of a, of standards. Um, and there's so much of jazz that looks to the past that um, you know I think that that's you know it's 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 debatable how how much how good that is for jazz to have something that's great that sounds fresh uh-huh. that is um, really engaging from a musical perspective um, and you know like you're saying seventy five percent of the album is covers and yeah. and and um, and you know, sort of uh, uh, standards in, with, in, in with, a sense. With no sense of authority, other than that, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna say this. Like I'm not a jazz head. Like mm-hmm. I certainly am not as knowledgeable, knowledgeable about jazz as you are. But um, I, I suspect that it is uh, this. This is the type of album that's going to be good for the state of jazz because. It's the old, uh, you know, directors making like indie films, mm-hmm. and you know, one for me, one for you, one for me, one for you. So now that Nels is doing this stuff for Blue Note. Uh, he can take his Nels Klein singers, which is jazz. I mean, right. that that is it's right. aggressive jazz. Yeah, <laughs> but but it is jazz, and he can it's take avant-garde the, jazz. Huh? huh? Yeah, it's yeah, avant-garde. Yeah. yeah, and so he can take that over there, and people who there's jazz people who didn't know who the fuck he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's. It's a statement that he worked for, but it was also uh, a sort of marker on the label saying, okay, here's where we are with this guy. And he, I I think they invested in this because they know he, and he clearly from this, has a love of jazz and is one of the people that is capable of maybe taking it forward. Look at all the people he worked with on this. Like that, I mean, you don't, (laughs) you don't do a project like this. He didn't go back and just be like, let me get the greats. He got all all new people. Yeah, right. And it's, you know, and it's one thing to kind of just go and find a guy who plays an eight-string bass, you know, and getting a guy who can play a Fender Rhodes and, and a guy who can play, you know, sweet lines on a, on, a, on, a, on a sax and putting that type of group together. You know, this goes, this harkens back to like a real definite, definite state of jazz. And, you know, when we talk about Gershwin, you know, Gershwin and, and Leonard Bernstein and Rodgers and Hammerstein mm. and and the music that they did in that era, you know, that was an outgrowth of the Louis Armstrong, right. Duke Ellington tradition of, you know, big band, Count Basie, um, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a real callback to that, to that era and that style of jazz um, that is almost in the history of jazz is almost an you know is almost a um, an anomaly mm-hmm. because jazz became something that was very improvisational. Um, but when you listen to Duke Ellington, there's defined solo spaces for the individual musicians, but everything is tightly arranged, very tightly arranged. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean the the, the same with inspirations here, like yeah. Bill Evans, Jim Hall, Gil Evans. I mean, you know, these are. Yeah. I mean, Gil, I mean, Gil Evans is is sort of like the, uh, you know, I mean, Gil Evans is the perfect example of like a very tight arranger of what was at the time very modern jazz. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, so yeah. it's. I mean, it's a remarkable. It's a remarkable musical accomplishment in that way to take. A modern element added to this 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 sort of very traditional sound, um, and come up with something that's fresh, mm-hmm. uh, and and it is certainly evocative, and it kind of gets back to my, uh, I think maybe overly trite point, but but something that I feel anyway about the the song titles that they really with with the music and the right song title, you know, it, it really evokes stories. Well, and, um, and 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 certainly colors, but but even sometimes definite stories and different story beats that you can hear yeah. in the music. You know, I mean, your traditional storytelling, your traditional storytelling is a you know a three act theme, and a lot of these songs kind of get broken up into thirds. Yeah, um, and so I feel like that's and, and his his whole thing was, this was for that. like it was not just the mood music, but it wanted to uh, celebrate and challenge. Uh, our iconic notion of romance, which 
in a lot of artists' hands, that's a wonky statement. That's right. like, see my black dot on the wall. That's mm-hmm. what romance is. Yeah. You know? uh, in, in his hands, I don't, I don't think it is. I think you, I think one listen, a couple listens, like you're going to get it. Yeah. Um, so start wrapping this up. What do you, what, what would you do with this? You're going to, you're going to buy a pass or stream it? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a streamer generally. Or what would you uh, recommend people do with it? I would say this is the type of album that can serve two functions. Obviously, this is not something you're going to hear in a club. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you're going to. It's not something that uh, the kids are going to put on at a you know a backyard keg party or at a backyard barbecue. This is the type of music that you would have on in the background, and I and 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 that sounds that that always sounds pejorative, but but. It's not for me. I'm the type of person, like, for example, at work, um, I can't read and really focus on something if there's really sure, 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 busy sure. vocal music going on. Yeah, yeah. I listen to it, 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 the only things that I can listen to and be able to read are classical music and jazz music and instrumental jazz. Um, so when I say background music, I don't mean that pejoratively. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a place for really, really good music to enhance um, you know, if you're having a dinner party with friends, the other thing is if you really are a jazz head and you really understand and, and love the roots of American jazz music, uh, there's a lot here to unpack yeah. and it's really, um, and it's really superbly done. You know I mean? The fact that it's taken him 25 <laughs> years to do this album, um, you know, there, there are some really, really great, great works of musical art that have taken the artists a tremendous amount of time. Um, you know, Springsteen's born to run, you know, if you ever watch the, the documentary on the making of that album, I mean, that took years and it was probably felt like birthing a baby for Springsteen, but it's what has ultimately propelled his career upwards and onwards, you know, from, being really for sure, good, for from sure. being really really good to being one of the great songwriters of the 20th yeah. century. Yeah. That album stamped it for him um and it was a work of just meticulous detail oriented, you know, every single word of his lyrics was 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 agonized over, every single chord was agonized over. Mm-hmm. All of those songs and 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 sometimes you can do that and you can lose the essence of the music when you when you when you agonize over those details but if you can maintain the essence of the music and still agonize over those details you can really end up with something that's that's beautiful and 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 long lasting and timeless yep and um you know i'm not going to sit here and say that this is a timeless album it's a really beautifully crafted album on on a lot of different levels if you're a musician if you're uh, a lover of jazz you can really listen to this album listen to these songs and pick apart and really unpack a lot of the just right. just really classic great great elements of music so so your suggestion would be uh stream it or give it a try yeah yeah yeah, that yeah. Works. uh I, i'm gonna go on the buy it uh and and the reason i am uh a oh, two reasons i am a fan of nels klein as a guitar player uh, that tremendous is, guitar playing. We didn't, tremendous guitar. We didn't, we didn't even really talk that much about his guitar playing in this album, which is great. Well, his guitar playing, yeah. His, well, it's great because it sounds exactly like him. Right. But it doesn't... In a different context. Yeah, it's it's stuff that I... in Even though I know he's steeped in jazz, like, right. it's stuff that I never intellectualized him doing. And like you said, when he starts playing like Charlie Christian, you're like, what... <laughs> Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, but, uh, you know, for that reason and, and for also the reason I think, um, like, this is something that I'll just be putting on, uh, not with the lady around. Lady's not like the jazz, but that's okay. Well, uh, and no, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> um, you know, something I'll be putting on to just uh, escape. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. sit down, and whether or not it's on headphones or whether or not it's just sitting down here in the basement with the cats, it's it's doing that. And and I think projects like that that succeed in that uh, need should be supported by, like, your purchase. You know, the, uh, the um, Colin Stetson um, album uh, with Sarah Newfold, the uh, – 
I forget the name of it. It was it was last year, and mm-hmm. it was it was amazing. Yeah, it was it was it wasn't sorrow. It was the one. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, it was amazing, and it's much like that, and mm-hmm. it, and it's very much working in this weird avant. That was avant garde jazz, and and very compositional times, but it was a thing that. Uh, Still to this day, you can put it on, and within two minutes, I'm into it. And like, don't come around. Like, <laughs> so this is what I'm doing yeah. for the next like 45 minutes. Don't bother me. So, so yeah, uh, Nels Klein lovers, thanks for coming down, Ian. Uh, My pleasure. Fun. My pleasure. And, thanks uh, for having you, uh, me. Come back for some more. Maybe if Frank Ocean drops, <laughs> <laughs> I can't <laughs> Which wait. Which will be another guy. I mean, another guy who's meticulous about his music. So I'm very curious to hear. Were you a fan uh, of Channel Orange? I did. I liked yeah. it. I liked it a lot. I, liked I referred it a lot. to it at the time, and I'll stick by it. I said that was uh, hip hop and and soul's OK computer, and and I think it's uh, it's a bold statement. It, but, yeah, uh, I was told that at the time. But I, but I think yeah, it's it's a, it's for me, it still uh, holds up as sort of a massive album, and all this fuckery aside, I like will he release it? Will he not? You know, all all I care about is the album. It's like what right, what right. it's going to sound like. I'm, um, I'm 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 very curious because he is a. Uh, He's an artist who tries to push himself and tries to push his boundaries, and so I'm I'm curious to hear, you know, I mean, uh, if he uh, did, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his last album is what four years ago? Four years ago. The ev- the evidence to the contrary of this now so far, and this is this is what has me worried, is we have Chance's album wasn't that good. Kanye's album was a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. This might not be the year. Meanwhile, something we were listening to upstairs, uh, which we're going to be talking about on another podcast soon, uh, No Names album, Telephone. Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, all right, thanks for coming by. My pleasure. Klein's Lovers is out uh, everywhere now. It's on the streaming services. If you follow on the Ian Tip, uh, it's on Amazon. It's on. It's everywhere for you to buy. If you're on the Me Tip, uh, regardless, it's a phenomenal album. Get it in your ears. And you know, we we set off Mike uh, that we were talking about like how do we want to experience this, and I'll and I'll tell you how we want to experience it right now. We're in Washington D.C. Nels Klein, if you're listening, or Blue Note, if you're listening, uh, set up a residency at the uh, the Kennedy Center. Bring the whole orchestra down, and just do a week's worth of shows, so we can we can experience this remarkable achievement uh, as as I think it should be, you know, in a concert hall. And uh, yeah, that'd be groovy. Maybe we'll tweet at you. Maybe get sick of us at you. Um, like I said, before we get out of here this week, we're going to play a little track by one of his co-conspirators, one Julian Lage. Now, World's Fair came out, and uh, you know we've actually been trying to talk with Julian for a little while because every time uh, I hear about him, and the first time I heard about him was actually talking to Nels Klein way back in 2014. Uh, we met up with Nels Klein at the Atlas Theater here in Washington, D.C., and myself and Quinn, uh, serving in the role of engineer, and, uh, and started having an amazing chat. Uh, with him about his career and uh, we'll go and and just everything man and uh, we'll put a link to the show notes in there but at the time he mentioned he asked me he said you know have you heard of this guy Julian Lage I didn't and the very next day I looked into it and I was like holy crap the guy's amazing uh, and they have a certain rapport that uh, sometimes takes a lifetime to build but they just locked in on each other and so to hear these two guitar sort of megaliths making music together is fascinating so and we're going to have links in the show notes to all the albums and all the work that they've done together. There's some really amazing live videos out there of that. But right now, I want you to listen to just Julian himself. So, uh, off of World's Fair, right now for you is uh, Julian Lages Peru. <laughs> Thank you. 
Fine-ass sounds were delivered to you by one Julian Lage. Uh, his album, World's Fair, like we said, came out last year. The name of that track was Peru. I, I highly suggest you check it out if you are... If you, if you find yourself... Uh, consider yourself a sophisticate and are into the uh, the jazz world or just stuff that isn't, you know, just lo-fi. That stuff's good, too, but sometimes sometimes you need to feed your brain with some, some smart shit, and that's that's what... Julian's doing that's what Nels is doing on this album and uh so there you go. It feels like like a nice pairing, right? And wine with cheese and whatnot. Um that's our podcast for this week. I hope you have enjoyed it uh and I hope uh, I know Ian enjoyed being down here. You you probably hear from him soon. Uh we got a couple good ones coming up. Sort of laying easy off the interviews for a little while and so we're be talking about all the albums that we haven't had a chance to talk about. I know No Names album Telephone is coming up. You heard us talking about Frank Ocean. Although, that probably will never drop, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we got Casper Combs got an album coming up. We got uh, Lydia Lovelace got an album coming up. So uh, it's going to be a good month of talking about music. Uh, if you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can rate us there as well. You can leave us a little message. Uh, you can uh, you can email us directly at info at junkyglasses.com or me directly at kevin at junkyglasses.com. Or if you just miss Eduardo, just eduardo at chunkyglasses.com. How about that? That'll work. Um, and uh, you can also hit us up on Google Play. You can listen to us there. You can listen to us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on Mixcloud. I believe you can listen to us on Deezer. Essentially, the point I'm trying to make is that we are everywhere. And don't be threatened by that. We're just... We're just trying to spread some love here. And, uh, yeah. So, we will be back towards the end of this week. Every Thursday we release another one. And uh, I have a feeling it's going to be a good one this Thursday. So, please tune in. Uh, Until then, get out and see some live music. Do yourself that favor. And, uh, you know, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Uh, We will talk to you in a few. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!